This morning, I want to... Um, I was really encouraged, actually, because what I want to speak to about today, it was kind of confirmed last night. I hope that you um, were able to catch some of the MLG online gathering last night, and uh, particularly the message from Jay, uh, Jay Fallon, which was, uh, which was brilliant. And, um, and so there's some things that um, have encouraged me and may kind of like register with that. I haven't just copied him. I didn't get home late last night and write a new sermon. Um, but I was really encouraged by it. And I want to talk to you this morning about the ministry of Jesus. Uh, but before I get there, let's read. It's Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 16 to um, 30. And while you're hopefully getting there on your phones or on your Bibles, um, what, what I really feel the word is, is that Jesus was anointed for a ministry that is still being outworked today through his body, the church. And, um, and we as church should be encouraged to recognise his work, uh, the work of Christ that is active today in um, the church by the Holy Spirit. And so that's where I'm going this morning. And I, so there is a, though we're talking about the ministry of Jesus, there is a response from us, his church. And uh, there is also a wonderful message if you don't know the Lord personally this morning. It's that when we hear about the ministry of Jesus, it's the wonderful message of what he came to do. So let's read um, verse 16. And he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he went back to his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So he went to church. Um, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marvelled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up uh, three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill of which their town was built, so they could throw him over the cliff. But passing through the midst, he went away. So here we see this um, wonderful passage. Jesus goes back to his hometown, and he reads out this passage and, uh, and he says, this is, these are my words, 
This is my ministry. This is my anointed work in which God has called me to do. And, um, and what we will find as we go through this is that this, it was referenced Isaiah 61, was a known scripture for those who have been listening that was declaring about the coming Messiah, this anointed one that the Jews uh, were waiting for. And when he's read that, and when he said today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, he's saying to everyone, I am the Messiah. This is a clear thing. And what's interesting was that they didn't catch that until he challenged them. And so I just want to go through this. But the first, first thing I want to just look at is this, is this um, first line, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The ministry of the Messiah, the ministry of God's anointed one is the ministry of God by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because the Spirit of the Lord has anointed Jesus. And so when you identify the work of this ministry as being by the Holy Spirit, then that ministry transcends or goes beyond the earthly life of the man Jesus. And so I want to start with this, just uh, recognising, because what I want to show you is that we get to this, the anointing on Jesus was not just for the three years of his ministry on the earth. So the first we realise is the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, anointed Jesus. And, um, and we, see, we see the work of the Spirit. Let me read some verses where Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word another means like me, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. It's John 14, 16. In John 15, 26, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The point I'm making here is that when we read this, we have to understand that it was the Spirit of the Lord that anointed Jesus for ministry. And therefore, because it's the Spirit of the Lord and not contained in, if you like, in the life of Jesus on the earth, it transcends, the ministry goes beyond Jesus' life on the earth because it's by the Spirit. And when Jesus ascended, the ministry of Jesus continued as he sent the Holy Spirit into his church. And so he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You know, so I don't know about you, but some might feel the anointing is a bit like this. You know, you fill this up with water. At some point that will run out. And, um, and it might be like a jar of oil that we, if we as vessels we come and we are filled and we might think of the anointing as filling up a vessel and after a, a time, uh, maybe the time of Jesus on the earth, that anointing was used up because it was contained within the earthly life of Jesus. But the word anointing, this word in the Greek, Christo, and this is a definition, means to convey the consecration or the dedication of Jesus to the messianic office, this anointed sent one, this promised uh, saviour that was to be sent. There was this, if you like, this office, this position. 
this role and the furnishing of him with the necessary powers for its administration. If I was to be made Prime Minister, take up that office, you could say I would, there would be some kind of process to say, I recognise that you, John, are the Prime Minister. It's a bit like you know, being dedicated or set, set apart for that office. And then I would be given all the authority, all the uh, uh, power to officiate or to administer that office. And so the anointing is this designation of God's power on an individual for a specific purpose. But we mustn't just see it as a label because it's the um, designation, the label, but the, the authority and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is upon that person for that role. And so it says in Scripture, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So I hope I'm getting my point across here. We see Jesus is saying, the Spirit has designated me, called me, or, or um, recognised me, consecrated me for the office of Messiah that you're looking for, and he's given me the power, the authority, and the presence to do what that office was sent to do. Okay? So the anointing is God's hand upon a life. The Holy Spirit is the authority, the power to fulfil the work of that anointing. So as I said, and Jesus said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, listen, you've been waiting for the Messiah. You've been waiting for that man to come. I am that man. You don't need to wait anymore. I am the coming saviour. And now, did they believe it? What did they say in Luke 4 verse 22? They said, is this not Joseph's son? They couldn't get past the, the man that was the child that ran around the streets playing whatever they did in those days. They couldn't separate out this human child from this God-man. And I think this is my first point that I felt challenged of the Lord to give us is that do we believe that the work and ministry of God seen here in this passage that is in Jesus through the Holy Spirit is still at work today? That's the question. Do you believe it or are we still um, seeing Jesus in such a maybe a historical Jesus view? Or are we seeing Jesus in a very separated out view? almost so separated out that we see no relevance in our lives? Or do we see Jesus presently at work still ministering according to the anointing through his body as he was doing it through his body when he walked on the earth? His body has changed and we could go into that, which you won't. The, the church is his body. So do you believe it or you know, all they saw was this young boy that grew up round the corner. And this is the work of the enemy, isn't it? Isn't it the work of the enemy to always humanise Jesus? And I checked that this, um, this was the right word, and to present him as completely undivine. 
to nullify his divinity, his godliness, remove all his anointing and his power, make him a man, make him a good teacher, make him someone that has some great messages, who was a great guy, even give him some miracles, but take away the fact that he is God, that he is God's anointed. He says in 1 John 2.20, he says, um, thinking about this anointing, you have been anointed, talking to the church, you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lies of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one? The devil will always seek to blind our eyes from the truth that Jesus is God, the anointed one who is at work today. And this anointing has come upon us. Not, we haven't taken up the office, the anointing which was of the Spirit, sent by the Spirit, the ministry of Christ operates through his church. John again in 14 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Uh, let me put it this way. I think, I think I'm justified in saying this. Whoever believes in me will also do the ministry that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. And I interpret that not that we can ever do anything more than what Jesus can do, but the church, because God is now uh, operating by Spirit, Jesus is ministering through his church. Millions and millions of people around the world are doing the work of Christ that only Jesus could do in one place at one time. That's how I interpret that. Greater things will you do because I go to my father, because I'm sending that spirit that anointed me for this ministry upon you. You have been anointed, he says. And do you believe that? Or are you still seeing yourself as the young child that ran around the street? See, if, and this is what Tiny last night, is what Jack Rennie says, um, will you believe that Jesus is able to do all these things that we preach about and talk about and share about. Do we believe it? Um, that's one thing. If we still think Jesus is this child or this person in history or we're separated from it, do we believe, one, who he is and that his ministry is still at work today? Secondly, do we believe that we are his vessels, you are his vessel in which he wants to work out his ministry? Now, this is a wonderful thing. See, it's not about who we are. Paul would say, again, we could go further into, we are but jars of clay. We are just vessels. Paul would, is the pre, and the teacher Paul is very good. But he used this language of dying to self. When he says, I've been crucified with Christ. This is Galatians 2.20. And now I'm throwing out all these verses. But I want you to, it's important that we know this is biblical and not just what I think, isn't it? The, um, uh, he said this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the wonderful thing is that we can receive the righteousness of Jesus given to us in that transaction of on the cross when we asked for forgiveness and we gave our lives to the Lord and 
You know, we can receive his joy, we can receive his peace, and we can receive, and then somewhere along the line, we receive all those things that we make our lives so much better. Amen, let's have everything that Jesus has got for us. But have we received the ministry of Jesus? Now, again, we haven't got time, but Paul goes on to say that we have received the ministry of reconciliation. Now, is that the same thing? In the big um, uh, picture things, yes, it is the same thing. What is the ministry of, of God at the moment? What is the mission of God to reconcile man to God? That's the great ministry. And what Jesus did here, the answer to all these things when we talk about proclaiming the good news to the poor and liberty to captives, the answer that where you find all those things is in relationship with God. It's in reconciliation to God. So... Do you believe that you have been given a ministry? The Lord does not require anything from you. And this is what I was encouraged about from Jay yesterday when he talked about the, the man by the, the pool where Jesus asked him to do what he could not do. We cannot do it. We cannot save people. We cannot reconcile people to God. We cannot do anything we just need to be obedient and be available in humility and patience to the Lord. But we first got to believe, one, that Jesus is at work and two, that he is at work through us. And if we don't have that mindset, we will never see the people in front of us that God is working with and wants to work through us. Now, um, a bit of reality, not all responded to the ministry of Christ, <clears throat> as we will see in this passage. I mean, I've, I've had criticism on some of my sermons, but no one's tried to kill me. Um, I've not been taken. <clears throat> There's no cliffs around here to Shooter's Hill, up the tower, whatever it is. But Paul would say this. He would make a point. You know, it's not about results, but about sowing and watering. One man sows, another waters, but God gives the increase. And as Jesus said, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And he goes on and he explains to him, he says, look, throughout this, in the history of Israel, you will see God was moving powerfully, but no Jew was helped but two Gentiles. And he's, and he's I think he's making a point here. You're seeing your salvation, but you do not believe isn't it? I'm sitting here saying to you, I'm the Messiah, and you're seeing this young boy who runs around. You've even commented on how marvellous and gracious the words are coming out of my mouth, but you can't see your salvation. And so when he challenges them, it says they were filled with wrath and they rose up and drove him out of the town. Because Jesus is at work through us, it doesn't mean that everywhere we go, we have the Midas touch. Everything turns our way. Everything is wonderful. Jesus himself, and we see so much scripture that says that uh, the Christian, the norm of the Christian life and the norm of Christian ministries includes suffering. So even Jesus took that. But will we be a church that believes that Jesus is at work? 
And if we really believe that, we need to address our expectations, start to recognise that God wants to work through us and there is no excuse because there is nothing we can do to bring to the table. Now, um, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 61, 3 to 4, and I just want to read a bit from that because as it goes on, um, this is verses 3 and 4, so 1 and 2 is kind of like what Jesus has, has quoted um, well, it is what Jesus quoted, but it, um, and then it goes on and says, to, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And so this people that Jesus is going to minister to, which includes me, includes many of us listening. We've seen that ministry. That's why we're here. That's why we're sharing this, why we're listening, because Jesus has already ministered to us, reconciled us to God, and he's looking to set us as oaks of righteousness, applies the Lord that he may be, another interpretation is, to display his beauty. We're, we're saved to, to display Jesus. So we see this further thing and we see it goes on, he says, not just that they're going to build up ancient ruins, they're going to raise up former devastations, repair ruined cities. Um, and you can read Isaiah 58, 12, again, just to this, this heart of God for the people of God to have impact in the world. And, and again, you know, John 14, verse 12, as I said before, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So we have to come to this point. Well, okay, well, what is this ministry of Jesus? And as we go through this, I want you to think, you know, you and I have to be positioned to recognise where there is need for the ministry of Jesus. So he says in Luke 4, um, verse 18, he says, to proclaim good news to the poor. And the word poor here describes someone who crouches and cowers and is used as a noun to mean beggar. Um, these poor were unable to meet their basic needs and were forced to depend on others, on society. And, um, and we can take a practical view, but I think primarily it's a spiritual issue. There's a poverty of, of, of spirit. But what will you find and what it's... Um, uh, or what it has been found to recognise is that those who have a practical um, need in terms of poverty are more open to the spiritual need of poverty. They understand what it means to be in need and they understand what it means to be in dependence on another. And the problem with the rich is that they don't know what it means to be in need and therefore don't know or are proud for against being in dependence from others. And um, one commentator writes, the financially poor are often open to, receive, uh, to receiving Jesus' teachings as good news because they realise their poor spiritual condition and thus their spirit, desperate spiritual need. 
to the church of Laodicea in Revelation, Jesus said, you say, I am rich and I become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know you are wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. So there's a, there's a need there when we recognise those who are poor. Again, it may be those who are needing help. Needing support spiritually um, and also practically. Next one, he says, and, and uh, actually this is in Isaiah. This isn't actually in, uh, so I'm going to mention it. He says, he has sent me to heal up, to bind up the broken hearted. So if you're reading the King James Version, that would be included. But it's not included in the ESV, but it's included in the original text. So it's worth mentioning. Um, so if the first one was poverty, the second one is sorrow, crushed and completely broken into pieces. That's the word there where it talks about broken-hearted, crushed and completely broken into pieces. There's good news for the broken-hearted. There's healing in the joy of knowing the Lord. We have in our ministry this good news that heals the broken-hearted. And then he says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, bondage, if we've got poverty, sorrow, Bondage, the world we're promising promises so much and people can go into all these things into the world, what the world offers and often it is at a price that is not known until you want to exit those things and you realise you're in bondage. Um, bondage to sin, bondage to all sorts of habits and addictions, um, bondage to uh, fear of what others think or the bondage of fear of being separated out from the mainstream of society. Um, there's so much bondage and Jesus' ministry is focused on the poverty of spirit, the sorrow of broken hearts, the bondage of lives. And he says, and recovery of sight to the blind. And again, not limited to physical sight. We know Jesus opened the eyes of the blind but the, open the eyes of those who could not see the truth, the revelation. And it's wonderful when you see people go from blindness to sight, when they have that revelation and they just get it. From complete unbelief to radical faith in God. And only God can do that. Blindness, oppression is the next one. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. See, brokenness can lead to oppression. It, um, oppressed, the word oppressed means literally to shatter or to break in pieces like pottery. It speaks of persons broken in spirit by oppressive circumstances. They're downtrodden, overwhelmed with trouble. They're broken by calamity, crushed by the circumstances of their life and they see no way of escape. It's like everything has just pushed them down, pushed them down, broken them down and they just cannot get up. Crushed by their situations. Again, Jesus has ministries looking, he's seeing to minister to people who are oppressed. And finally he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now that last thing, he stops short of the sentence. If you go into Isaiah 61, um, it says, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort 
all who mourn. Why did he stop there? Because he had fulfilled up to that point. He's saying, now is the day, we've read, these, uh, now is the day of salvation. These are the days of God's favour, but there will be another day that will come, which is the day of God's vengeance. Now God's favour is upon us. God's favour is upon people that we're meeting, we're seeing, and we recognise people. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, um, 1 to 10, I'll read it. It says, working together with him. So let me just make a real point. The ministry of Jesus, the anointing on Jesus, the messianic ministry now sent by Spirit through the church. We are working together with him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favourable time, I listen to you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is a favourable time. So you can hear this, how Paul is saying, you know, Jesus read out, I'm putting these words in his, you know, it's his licence. I heard Jesus proclaim the year of God's favour and therefore I'm going to operate in that year of God's favour. Now is a favourable time. Now is a day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labours, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God and the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honour and dishonour, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. I think he covered quite a lot there, didn't he? In other words, let me summarise that. Though they take us to the top of the cliff to throw me off, I'm still going to see this is the favourable time. This is the days of God's ministry through Jesus Christ. And there will be a day that's coming, but it's going to be hard. There's going to be these things against us. We're going to be treated in these ways, just like Jesus was treated. And as we know, they, Jesus said, they hate you because they hate me. Paraphrase, I think. So reading between the lines, Paul knew of the anointing of Christ on the church flowing through us by the Holy Spirit. And so are you available to him? I think there's three things are you available, are you expectant, and are you obedient? The qualifications to be used of God is simply a humble heart available to God. You know, I was always struck by what Jesus said um, about, I think, the woman um, who anointed her, Mary Magdalene, maybe. He says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much, much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And what I mean by that is that when we, the more we understand the gravity of our sinful situation in which we come to God and the greatness of his grace, that's that broken contrite heart that the Lord is looking for. That's the, that's the person. So it's not about how good we are at certain things. It's not about how great I am at speaking or, or whatever. It's are you willing? Are you available? Are you open to being used of the Lord? To be available is to be mindful. 
It's to give time to listen to him. It's to be um, mindful of where we are. At times we need to remind us, I do, um, remind myself, today I'm called of the Lord for such a time as this. And so are you. But we can go from day to day to day and realise it's another Friday again and that's the week gone. But today, I'm called of God for such a time as this. Are you available? Are you listening? You know, I don't know, I was thinking this the other day, this might sound controversial. Will we ever stop saying we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray? I don't think we ever will because if there's anything that will stop us um, from really going on the Lord, it will hit us in the prayer room. So are you available to him? Are you expectant of the work of the Spirit through you? Do you believe, one, in the ministry of Jesus? Do you believe that that ministry has been given to the church or through the church by the Holy Spirit? Therefore, you and I are ministers of that anointing and we have to be expectant that the Spirit will be at work. And just, just to quote Jesus, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So we've got to believe in the ministry of Jesus, that they still work today, and that that ministry is operating through the church. Should we not look, therefore, for opportunities? So if you see someone, you see someone who is poor or someone who is in captivity, and you say, ah, I there's a ministry for that. I know someone, I was thinking of that wonderful story of the woman at the well and how Jesus spoke to her and shared with her and spoke many things, ministered to her, set her free. She went back to her town and says, come here a man who told me everything I ever did. In other words, you know, um, <laughs> there's a ministry available. I know where it is. It's in Jesus. Now for her, she could go to Jesus, but for us, it's through us. When Peter and, and, and John went to the temple, they, they saw the, uh, the beggar, the lame beggar, and he said to them, you know, will you help me? He says, they said, silver and gold have I known, but what I do have I give to you. What was it that they had, if not the ministry of Jesus? See, are you expectant of the work of the Spirit for you? And thirdly, are you available, are you expectant and are you obedient? Are you available through prayer, listening and then obedience that leads to action? And so, as I said, we've got to be mindful, and this is something that might take us, myself included, a time to be really aware. Lord, what are you doing? So when Jesus on the earth, he said, I only do that which my Father is doing, and we need to do the same. That's how the ministry of Jesus works. He, wherever he went, so when he went to the pool of Siloam, as we heard yesterday, he walked and stepped over many who were sick to go to the man who he healed. How many people did he walk past on the streets that he did not heal? But he saw what God was doing. And I really believe that these are days of opportunity where there are going to be so many um, of the 
people, well, we know there's so many, but it would be evident of those who the ministry of Jesus was for. And I know it's for everyone, but we're going to see it. We're going to see those who are oppressed. We're going to see those who are just blind. We're going to see those who are poor in spirit. We're going to see those who are captives to certain things, for those, to those who are broken hearted. And we can say, I know a man. There is a ministry, there is, there, is a, there is a move of God that can be ministered to you. So I'd like to encourage you to get with God, ask him again to impress again on you what he wants to do through you. But are you believing in the ministry of Jesus? Do you recognise that ministry is in the church now, today, in us? Do you, are you going to be available can be mindful. Are you th- going to think every day you may be going to work? If you're going to work at the moment or if you're, um, you're going to the shops, are you willing to be mindful amongst your um, associates, your friends? Are you going to be mindful and say, Lord, I'm here to be your minister? And then we need to do it. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to bring up from last year, again, I want to encourage you, is the power of asking people if you can pray for them. Bring the ministry of Jesus in that simple way. Can I pray for you? When you listen to people, say, listen, I believe I have something of the Lord that he's given to you. Will you let me tell you about it? Will you let me pray for you? Will you let me ask the Lord for you? Will you let me go to Jesus and ask him to come and meet your need. See, we've got to do something. We can't just remain in our seats, in our homes and say, yeah, that's great. What an encouragement. That's lovely, wonderful. Thank you. There's got to be an action to it, which is where faith operates. It's when you step out of yourself and you do something and you start small, but you've got to believe. I've got to believe in the ministry of Jesus for everyone that comes into my orbit. But I've got to do something about it. I've got to see what God is doing. And that requires me to walk closely with God just as Jesus did. So here's my challenge to you. And I I want to just invite Jana, Jack to come up just as we respond, because um, this is all great, I'm sure, this, the words are great, but the Spirit has to make these things known to us. We need to be encouraged to do that. We need the Lord to move, and we need to recognise that God has got to do something in our hearts in order that we may um, put this into action. So I'm just going to pray, and then we'll continue. Father, your such a wonderful God and such a generous, loving God, gracious and merciful, compassionate. Father, and your heart breaks for people who don't know you. And Lord, will you use us? Lord, I just want to ask you, in everyone who's hearing this, Lord, that you will encourage their hearts to believe not only that you are at work, but you are at work and desire to work through them. And Lord, that we may have your eyes to see, Lord, what you're doing in our community. We cannot do it ourselves.
we can only be available as your vessels, broken in any, whatever way we are at. We may not think much of ourselves, but Lord, it's you that makes the difference. So Lord, will you come and just bring that word and encouragement to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.